We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. It's a Sports Fix Thursday uh, here on the podcast. Tom from the Fortress of Solitude in Frederick. I'm here in our beautiful studios in Bethesda. It is an ugly day outside in the mid-Atlantic. It is chilly and it is rainy and it's going to continue to rain for the rest of the day. It is starting to feel like fall, Tom. Starting to feel like fall. Halloween is Saturday. It's going to be really cold on Halloween night. I like fallish weather, not cold weather on Halloween. You know, but we got no complaints. It's been a great October weather-wise. Super October. I mean, it really just been fabulous weather. It's supposed to rain today. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. It's supposed to be sunny at least on Saturday. I mean, look at how many places you've gotten to get out to and, I know. and see. Covered bridges one day, hikes the next, restaurants being, you know, having people buy you lunch the day after that. I mean, it's been <laughs> it's been quite a run for you during this fall. Yeah, You've taken really advantage has. of the weather. We've, ta- we've, we've taken advantage uh, of the good weather. And, and Halloween, like you said, it's going to be cold. But I don't think, I doubt there's going to be much trick-or-treating on Halloween night. Every neighborhood, I think, has their own, um, you know, situation. I, I mean, look, every every county has their their situation, but then I think neighborhoods, if if there is any kind of neighborhood association, they're coming out with ideas and guidelines. Look, I'm gonna ha- we have pumpkins. I guarantee you, we will carve one pumpkin and turn it into a jack o' lantern. I'll have candy available if anybody comes by my house. Okay, it's Halloween. Uh- well, since we live in a condo unit with only 12 units in the building and uh, you can't just walk in, uh, we don't expect anybody coming by our door, even if it was a normal year, let alone a COVID year. Uh, you know, I, I've got some, I've told you this before, uh, Halloween's a traumatic uh, moment for me. Why? I well, forget. because of what what happened to me in Brooklyn when I was a kid. Oh yeah, that when you got beat up on Halloween. I got beat up and yeah. robbed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just got I got <laughs> turned a corner. These three guys jumped me. Right. I was like eight years old. I remember the story now. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> they took my bag, and I like I've told you before in Brooklyn, you got money as much as candy. I'll bet you there was fifteen bucks in that bag. And this is like 1962. And that wasn't collecting for UNICEF? No, no, no. They People who didn't have candy would stick money in your bag. <laughs> um, 
I remember you telling me that story. Of course, I also remember the story when you traumatized some people um, after a, a, a major um, traumatic event, world event. Um, but we won't get into dry cleaners and, you know, Tom up to his shenanigans today. Uh, people that remember that story can remember it, unless you want to share it with everybody again. I mean, you've been traumatized and you've traumatized others. I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh, really? I'm at a loss. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, we'll get uh, into the show here. Uh, We won't talk about um, uh, these incidents that Tommy's been involved in over the years. There have been a lot of them, a lot of stories Tommy's shared over the years about incidents that he's been involved in traumatizing others as much as he's been traumatized. But have a happy Halloween. By the way, I wouldn't expect in a uh, 12-condo unit where the average age is probably 77 years old to be much (laughs) for there to be much trick-or-treating anyway. Um, Real quick word about my bookie before we get started. If you're not betting, you know, and you don't want to bet, don't bet. Gambling's not for everybody. But if you are betting on sports and you're looking for a place, I promise you that my bookie is safe and fair and you're going to get paid if you win. That's what you want to know. Mybookie.ag, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000 if you use my promo code KevinDC. You can bet on sports. You can play their uh, online casino. You can go into their race book and bet on horse races. They've got election odds right now, Tommy. You want to know what my bookie's updated election odds are? Joe Biden, a minus 175 favorite to win the general election. Trump's plus 135. So Biden, you know, a sizable favorite to win the elections, uh, to win the the general election on Tuesday. Um, The popular vote, uh, the Democrats have a massive uh, a massive advantage right now to win the popular vote. Uh, there seems to be no doubt that Joe Biden will win the popular vote, uh, but you know he's minus one seventy-five to win the electoral college. Uh, and there's lots of different you know political odds if you're interested in any of that stuff. Like right now, what position will Nancy Pelosi hold on January twenty-one inauguration day? Uh, the favorite is that she will be Speaker of the House. But there's also a plus $4,000 number on Nancy Pelosi, Tommy, to be the president on January 21st, (laughs) 2021. So you got a lot of these uh, fun election prop bets. You've got an online casino. You've got a race book and plenty of sports bets. Obviously, every game and every which way to bet a game, plus plenty of future odds uh, as well when it comes to the NFL. So go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. I promise you that it is a reputable shop. Fair lines, fair pricing. You'll get paid. Kevin DC promo code, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. I wanted to start, because you weren't on the show yesterday, I wanted to start with the World Series, because I still am thinking about that game that I watched the other night, and the decision that Kevin Cash made to pull Blake Snell, and then the Justin Turner appearance on the field after he had tested positive for COVID-19. There's a lot going on there right uh, right now with, as it relates to Justin Turner, Tommy. There is the thought now, and I think uh, I think Jason Stark reported it, um, that he, the, b- baseball is going to suspend him. He's going to pay a price 
for for not just coming out onto the field to celebrate, but refusing emphatically to follow directions to leave the field. Um, he was not really concerned about anybody else's health as he came out to celebrate the World Series. And the truth is, it didn't seem like any of his teammates nor his manager um, wanted him any place but out there celebrating with them as well. Um, if you want to start with that, I want your thoughts on Justin Turner. And then we can get to the game itself because it was a fascinating game. And really, I think the, the last three games of the World Series were fantastic. But what did you make, first of all, of Turner not finding out until the seventh inning and then coming back out uh, on the field to celebrate. Well, thank God for Justin Turner, because what he did was remind everybody of what you were really watching, not what you, you wanted to believe, but what you were really watching, a warped version of a World Series. Thank goodness that Justin Turner did that, because for a brief moment, it was it was like a slap in the face when you, when you're – when you're rescuing prisoners and who were stuck in a Stockholm syndrome, and they believe their captors are their friends, it was a great moment, as far as I'm concerned, because it just it just illustrated uh, how this was not a World Series. Uh, you know, I've been through this with you, and my my explanation hasn't changed. Um, you know, that the pitchers for the Dodgers did not go through what Max Scherzer went through last year over the course of a 162-game season to get to the end of October. You know, it's, I mean, over the course of a full season impacts how you play at the end of October. The wear and tear of 162 games, how you hold up on that or how you wilt from that will affect you come the end of October. And the Dodgers played 60 games, which is not much more than a spring training schedule. And then they played a tournament, exciting moments in the tournament, but still a tournament. And it's an interim World Series title. Uh, it will always lack the credibility of a regular World Series championship. And so I think Justin Turner brought everybody back to earth that reminded everybody, that, hey, you know, this really was than what you thought you thought it was. I don't think I think you're overdoing that. And I think you're also overdoing is it relate as it relates to our conversations. I just told you that I was enjoying it. I didn't ever say to you this is a real thing. This thing doesn't I wasn't talking about you directly. Well you, you mentioned you mentioned personal, our conversations, but that's fine. I'm not taking it personally. All I'm saying to you is I think most people, most sports fans understand like the major majority of sports fans understand that whether it was the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning or the NBA champion LA Lakers Not or Major same. League Baseball uh, World Series champions LA Dodgers that this is going to be always remembered as 2020 COVID-19 results yes but they're not the same it's not, it's not comparable at all. The NBA played nearly a full season. They so did. did the NHL. That's true, but you ended up with a postseason in a bubble without home ice advantage or home court advantage and a completely different feel to everything that was going on. So, right, And I'm not sure how much that impacts the athletes more than playing a full season. That's what I'm talking about. And specifically, if you go back and read the media, some of them are my friends who I respect a lot. 
the coverage of these playoffs and the World Series. And I guess I couldn't expect I, I, I shouldn't expect them to do anything differently. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do that. But if you read the media reports, you were thinking you were watching just like any other World Series. That this was great well, and this was wonderful. Well, how how should they have covered it? it? I mean, once you got down to they're going to play these games, I mean, what would you have suggested they write? I think I think every column gotta, have some sort of disclaimer. This I isn't a real game the, I'm writing about. I think you always have to have the perspective and the reminder that you know what would have happened if what would have happened to uh, Clayton Kershaw if he had 30 starts as opposed to 10. I think, I, I just think that the illusion was created uh, that, and I have no idea what fans thought. Okay. Uh, not as many fans watched as, as no, as the normal, ratings were but, way off. Right. But uh, that's, that was the case for the NBA and the NHL as well. Right. So uh, I just think that it was, it, there was an illusion that was painted uh, within the media and I think Justin Turner uh, crashed that illusion, came crashing down. Yeah, I just think you've overstated the illusion. Uh, um, I think everybody understands what they've been watching. You know, the the interesting thing is that the favorite to win the whole thing, even in this short sprint season with a, t- a tournament, as you called it, um, ended up winning the World Series. Uh, one of the two or three favorites picked to win the whole thing in the NBA ended up winning. And I know the regular season was more extensive. Um, and the same thing in the NHL, where the Lightning were always considered a dangerous and, and potential championship team. We did not get the fluke champion. Like, think about if we were having the conversation today um, about the Miami Marlins winning the World Series because they did qualify oh, for oh, the, that the playoffs. Been, that that would have been great. The only thing better would have been if the Houston Astros had won. Well, I think a lot of people uh, – I think that would have been, a, a, by the way, a, a World Series that would have drawn more eyeballs to it had it been Houston <laughs> and L.A. That would, have been, that would have been great right? if the Astros had won. A, a truly representative champion. Look, the Dodgers were the favorites the last, the last couple of years. I know. The Dodgers were considered the best team going into all the world. And the fact that they didn't win – is is in 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 some ways uh, illustrative of of, of what a that they regular did win. season. You mean, no, that they didn't oh, yeah, win but, before. But, but the fact that they did win may be illustrative of the fact that they had the benefit of some you know yes. uh, of a unique season. My my only point being, all right, is that if you had ended up you know in the in the NHL with like a really bad team, I can't even think of the teams that were in the playoffs right now. But if you had ended up with um. Uh, uh, the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes winning, I think they were in the postseason, um, or, or the Islanders winning the whole thing. And then in Everybody's the NBA, the, the Nuggets, the Nuggets won it. And in the Major League Baseball World Series, you know, Miami won it. We'd really be like, oh my God, 2020. I mean, remember the teams that actually won the thing? It was a complete crapshoot fluke, you know, but th- we didn't get those results. We got results with, with really good teams winning the whole thing in each of these yes. three sports. Um, back to Justin Turner for a moment, because, um, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit, and I never got to it really in detail this morning on the show. It's really a selfish act. I mean, it oh, is absolutely. it is an unbelievably ignorant, selfish 
act by Justin Turner, who, by the way, has been a favorite player of mine. Like, I've really enjoyed watching him. He has been Everybody clutch. likes Justin Turner. Yeah. He's a very likable guy. Really likable guy, clutch player. Um, you know, and then he gets yanked, you know, the other night. I mean, it's crazy how the whole timing of it worked out in, in Game 6 of the World Series. But, you know, it's one thing to, you know, sort of lose your mind briefly and come out of your isolation room where they had brought him to and start celebrating with a mask on and maybe, you know, then realizing, all right, I'll stay away from you guys, but I'm, I'm really... The dude was hugging everybody in sight, took his mask off for the team photo, and basically um, behaved as if that that no one else other than him um in that moment mattered um i i thought it would in in thinking more about it it really he does deserve to be suspended um at the beginning of next year and fined significantly and if the dodgers didn't do enough to help the the authorities and i don't know who the authorities were from major league baseball that asked him to leave and he you know refused to do so um, he emphatically refused to comply was, was the Major League Baseball statement. Ma- Major League Baseball security came out onto the field, asked him to leave to go back into isolation, and he emphatically refused to comply. And my sense is in watching the celebration that the Dodgers weren't really helping security out either. They were thrilled that he was out there with them. And look, these are mostly young people who, even if they got the virus, will pro- probably be asymptomatic and won't get sick because that is is you know the ninety nine point you know seven percent probability that that they're not going to get sick um, you know at at their ages and in their athletic condition. With that said, Dave Roberts has suffered has has suffered from cancer. He was a, he's a cancer survivor, and there you have Justin Turner with his mask off, sitting right next to Dave Roberts. And by the way, they were hugging other people, older people, younger people that were out there celebrating with the team. And I was going to make make this one point. Even if it turns out that it was a false positive, and I don't, I, I don't know if those results have been released yet, it doesn't matter because he didn't know that in the moment. And the baseball had an issue there with that, and it followed a game in which it had one of the more remarkable analytics versus old school baseball decisions, maybe the decision of all time, um, that in terms of of you know debating it. But man, you know, how do you come out after testing positive and you know that you're putting people around you at risk as much as you want to celebrate this World Series? And then to take his mask off was insane. Insane. And you know me, I'm not living in fear of this thing and haven't been. Um, but it doesn't matter. I still understand what you should be as a human being with respect to this virus around other human beings. And that is careful. You know, and he oh, wasn't. That's, that, that's basically, basically the whole debate uh, about COVID. In part, can be whittled down to, uh, you know, the whole mask debate is is whittled down to a simple thing. Do you recognize that wearing a mask is not just to protect you; it's to protect others, right? You it, know, yeah. And if you believe, if you that believe that masks help. Right. It, there's a lot of people that don't get that. Right. I understand you know? that. So, so, so it's the same way with, with, with him at, at that point. He didn't particularly care ab- about anybody else. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I've seen Major League Baseball security, and a lot of them are ex-cops or ex-FBI agents that, believe me, if it were you or I that was trying to get on the field, mm-hmm. they'd have found a way to stop us. Right. 
You know? Yeah. I mean, no these, doubt. these are guys who could have stopped him if they wanted to. It may have been an uncomfortable situation where they said, Do I really have to beat up a major league ball player to keep him from going on the field? Jason. Or do I really have to subdue uh, Justin Turner to stop him? But they could have done it. Um, Jason Stark's column in The Athletic um, uh, on this was uh, interesting because he also had um, uh, a a scientist and, and doctor weigh in on this. But he, he wrote, a day later, it still feels like something we all hallucinated, not something that actually happened on the night of the final game of the World Series. A star player learns he's tested positive for COVID-19 in the eighth inning of a World Series game. An hour later, that star player realizes that on realizes that out on the field, his teammates are celebrating a title they've waited a lifetime for, and he can't bring himself to miss it. Then your eyes can't believe you're seeing that player positioning himself in the front row of the team victory photo right next to his manager, the cancer survivor. Then as the celebration continues, he won't agree to leave the field, and instead he's seen hugging teammates, embracing family and friends without the mask he initially agreed to where these surreal scenes played themselves out in Arlington. And then there's a uh, the scientist um, weighing in, and I wanted to read this. Um, it's a long column from him. Well, uh, look, and there was a chance that if, if Tampa had won game six, game seven might have been uh, postponed. Could have been. I mean, right now. There was a at, chance of that. As of, the, you know, as of yesterday before leading into that game, we didn't find out that other players had tested positive. Right. You know, I don't know. Maybe those results weren't, you know, produced because they didn't have to produce them. If there had been a game seven, it would have been interesting. But I, I found what I was looking for. Jason Stark found a a COVID-19 scientist expert and basically said, look, we all know that, you know, people have been missing these large gathering events because the closer you are to people, if you've tested positive, the greater chance the person that you're next to is going to catch it. So, and okay, let's get to the baseball part of the, uh, of the world series. Yes. Uh, go ahead. Um, Blake Snell, uh, faces Austin Barnes first hard hit ball all night off Snell for a single. And there's one out one on with the top of the order. Mookie Betts coming to the plate in the sixth inning. Blake Snell's been awesome the entire night, unhittable the entire night. And Kevin Cash pulls him because of what the information and the data says about Snell. A big part of that being, uh, the third time around the batting order is not something that he wants Snell to face. What did you think? Well, it 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 it, it showed everything that's wrong with the analytics uh, um, revolution that's gone on in baseball. Uh, analytics is a tool; it's not a bible. It's it's not an absolute. And the the more analytics has gone into the game. The, the less that people have relied on their eyes and, and their, their, their years of knowledge and their instinct. And that's exactly what this was. Anybody who knows the game should have said, you know, should have said that, you know, Blake Snell stays in that game until he shows me he's given me a reason to take him out of the game. It's a one nothing game. I'll grant you that. That could just mean what, like the, walking the leadoff batter. Or something like that. It might not take much, but he's got to give you a reason other than the book 
to take him out of the game. You got to have uh, ultimately players win and you, or players lose, and you got to have faith in players at some point. You know, this has been Dusty Baker's uh, downfall at, 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 in, in the past that he's had too much faith in, in players occasionally. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's just brought home the whole debate about, uh, yeah, he, I, I know, I know I've got all these numbers about him, but I know what I'm looking at too. And I have to trust Yeah, at some point you have to trust your player or else they're just robots. Everybody's just a robot. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for, uh, first of all, I think a fascinating question, and I mentioned this to, uh, to Cooley on the podcast yesterday, that I didn't hear asked. I wish somebody had asked Kevin Cash if Barnes had been retired, let's just say by strikeout, would he have left Snell in there to face bets with two outs and nobody on? I actually think that's a really interesting question because if it was mostly or primarily about facing the uh, top of the order for a third straight time, then he would have pulled him even if he had struck out Barnes because Barnes would have been the 10th strikeout in 19 batters, which was just an unbelievable strikeout rate. And they w- there would have been nobody on and two outs in the top of the sixth. Um, I would have lo- I'd love somebody at some point to ask Cash, you know, about that hypothetical. Because if Barnes, even if Barnes grounds out or flies out and nobody's on in their two outs, does he bring in Anderson or does he let this guy at least pitch to Betts, knowing that Betts can only tie the game? I think they were going to pull him. I think this is what they've lived by. You said that they've got no faith in players. There are a lot of organizations, and Tampa's obviously among the ringleaders. They don't believe in players. They believe in the numbers. And when they have the payroll that they have, they really believe in the numbers. And it's management-driven you know, driven and uh, front office-driven and manager-executed. And Kevin Cash knows what the management wants. And they have a lot of data. Here's the thing, Tommy. I agree with you. Watching the game, I'm like, what? This immediately, by the way, they were building towards this. Like there was a real sense that this could happen before bets came um, up to the plate. But if you're watching that game with your own two eyes, at least on television, you're like, if they pull this guy out, this guy's not only dealing, as they love to say, he's dealing in a way in which you can just see they they can't even see it. They have no hope. Of hitting this and, guy right and now, and you heard, you heard the the, the, the reaction from the, from the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, it was yeah, the same it, reaction it was, the Nats had to Granky yes. being pulled last year. Yes, it, it was like it like woke them up. Right. So I mean, that, that team seemed helpless. By the way, I that's mean, an they, interesting part of it, Tommy. That's another interesting part of this. Like in a postseason game where these games matter so much, and the drama is there. Are you lifting the opponent by pulling them out based on what the numbers and the information say at a level that you're not doing during the regular season? I don't know, but I think it's something that should be explored. But here's what I would admit to on this. I would never have pulled them. But with that said, I don't have all the data. Like, they have so – Tommy, the amount of data that went into that decision and that goes into that decision year-round that allows them to win 40 of 60 games and allows them to, you know, get get to the World Series and within two wins of winning the World Series is, you know, not just, you know – third time around the order or this guy's ERA is this once we complete five and two thirds 
or it's arm angle, it's velocity, it's spin rate. Like they're measuring all this stuff. By the way, I have no idea how important it is. I just know that there's so much more information that goes into the decision to pull him, information that we're not privy to watching the game. I don't even think I understand it, even when I've attempted to understand it. But there was a lot there. So I'm not saying that I would have ever done it, and I think it was the wrong thing to do. But I'm open-minded to the possibility that maybe they did the right thing, that it would have pr- they would have been proven right had they left him in. The problem is, is they were certainly not proven right by the reliever that they brought in because Anderson was the wrong guy. He'd given up a run, at least one earned run in his last six appearances, and it was over. I mean, when he came in and bets doubled and then Seager reached, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but here's, the th- here's the thing. It wasn't one of 60 games. It wasn't 40 of 60 games that they won. It was the sixth game of the world series yeah this was this was this was norman dale telling uh, on the last play to win the, the uh bat the state title in jimmy Indiana, chitwood tell telling the the uh, using jimmy chitwood as a decoy and saying the ball is going to go to somebody else and jimmy looking at him and saying i can make it coach <laughs> that's what this was well you know blake snell was not happy Oh, of course not. Yeah. And his teammates were, pro- were probably just as – his teammates probably felt energized behind him, and the Dodgers were deflated facing him. And you switched that all the way around before the pitcher, before the reliever ever hit the mound. I thought it was crazy. I knew when it happened that this would be maybe the all-time – you know, analytics versus, you know, old school field debate. It, it Tommy, it really is. I mean, it's going to become that. I mean, last year, Granky getting pulled. I mean, the one we sort of remember, obviously, Jordan Zimmerman getting pulled against the Giants. Scherzer, you know, after the one home run to Jock Peterson getting pulled. You know, it's funny because the Dodgers are a, a big analytics team too. And Dave Roberts, yes. you know, pulled after he had retired seven straight batters, pulled Clayton Kershaw from game five. And, but we've seen Kershaw sometimes stay in one or two batters too long, like last year against the Nats in the Game 5 when he retired Adam Eaton and then gave up the back-to-back homers to Rendon and Soto and, and then the, the image of him sitting in that dugout by himself. By the way, just as a quick aside, I was so happy for him. And I thought the outpouring towards him from both teams and almost everybody in the media was just seemed to me you would know more just really genuine like he's really very well liked and people were really happy for him but anyway back to the other thing I don't know I'm watching that there's no way I'd pull him but they do I am open to the fact that they've got a lot more data that that drove every single decision they made and that is their philosophy they're going with the numbers they're not going with the feel and I do think I, I get that, and that's what got you there. But now you're there. Yeah. Well. And, yeah. And you got to recognize the stage that you're on, and the moment. I mean, there's no, you know, there's sorry, there's no book for Game Six of the World Series. It's all about who you are. 
the review of the book would say you should have looked at the other dugout before you actually pull them because they were getting so excited just at the notion that you might pull them because the, it lifted the Dodgers completely um, from a place where they did not think they were going to be able to hit them. I don't know. There were a lot of other things like, you know, Bet Seeger and Turner were not only 0 for 6 against the guy, they had struck out six times. You know, there was there was just too much that seemed – like it was tough to pull him. I still, I'm, I'm telling you that the situation of Austin Barnes, if he had been retired, and imagine Cash after this guy's basically retired, everybody's given up one hit. No one else has hit a ball hard off on the entire game. Can you imagine if he pulled him with two outs and nobody on? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, but anyway, now, you know what's what's interesting? Uh, like the series. This is just my impression. I mean, this should have been the ultimate David versus Goliath. The Dodgers, I yeah. think, are the highest pay- spending team right. in baseball. And Tampa, yeah, I mean, well, Miami's the, probably the lowest, but Tampa's right be- probably behind them. I mean, Tampa has a payroll of, I think, like $28 million right. or something like that. So, But I don't think anyone really embraced Tampa that much. For one reason, the, the, everybody is 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 – is you know nobody knows any players uh, on Tampa. There, there's nobody there to recognize. The other thing is they don't even embrace their own team in Tampa. I nobody goes to see them play. This is a team. This is a team whose owner wants to play half their games in Montreal. I know. Moving forward, I mean, how absurd is that? A Rose Arena really sort of became a star during this yes, series, but but you're but you're right. I I complete and act, I mean remember Snell was a former Cy Young award winner. Yes, um, but I but, mean, but oh, it was it was not. People did not embrace no. the little engine that could. No, they didn't. You know, uh, and uh, it, it was just, it, it it was it was a fitting ending to a bizarre season. Um, yeah, it was. And actually, the last three games were very dramatic. They were at the end of October. There were fans in the stands. And it felt to me, watching it as a sports fan um, and as a baseball fan in the postseason for my entire life, it felt like a real world series in terms of the games. But I understand and I uh, c- completely will never forget the context of everything that's happened this sports uh, landscape in 2020. One so, last thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm not the only person that thinks this. There's some doubt there'll be a 2021 season, period. Well, I mean, hockey it could really be in trouble. And basketball, they're really going back and forth now on, on well, the start yeah, of it. Because basketball, they came to the real – basketball, the idea was to wait until February or March when fans would be in the arena. And then they came to the conclusion that that's not going to happen. There's not going to be fans in the arena come February, March. Now they're trying to, you know, speed it back up to be able to start by Christmas. But for baseball, who do, who won't start until April? Now they have the benefit of a whole off season. Uh, if there's no fans in the stands, uh, there may not be a season because I don't think they can afford to lose another three billion dollars. Yeah, we or more. Next year, I may be too cost prohibitive for them to play. We've had the conversation that hockey apparently cannot play without fans. The economics just don't work. But in in baseball, it's something that's being considered. Right. If if they don't come the beginning of April, if we're not back to semi-normal, 
And I'm not talking about 10,000 people in the stands, which is a typical Marlins game for that matter. Uh, but uh, that's a real consideration right now. I hope that doesn't happen. God, I hope that doesn't happen. This is getting so old. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, from where we were in March, April, May, and early June to where we got to, um, you know, a lot of people, you included, didn't think we'd yes. ever get to the end of these things. And thank You're God right. we've had it. You know, last yes. night, I think, was the first night since June that we have not had sports. We have not right. had a game. No, I, I agree with you, and I was wrong, uh, and I'm, I'm glad I was wrong. But now we're talking about money. No, 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 of course. The economics right. don't work playing another season without fans in a couple of these sports. Totally yeah. works in the NFL. Um, they could go on. They could play the next 20 years with yes. no fans in the stands. Um, but it's, it's much different in baseball and hockey in particular. All right, let's get to some Washington football talk uh, right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, there was a story, Tommy, um, last night on SportsCenter, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who's pretty good as a reporter, actually. Um, he reported that uh, a trade of Haskins, according to his sources, which were people close to Dwayne Haskins, that a trade of Haskins is probably inevitable at this point, either now or later. Now would probably mean before the trade deadline on Tuesday or later being the offseason. The source close to him said, quote, you might as well do it now, close quote. Now, my sense of it is, is that Haskins and the people close to the Haskins situation, it wouldn't surprise me if they've already asked for a trade or a release. You know, remember we had the um, tweet from the agent when he got benched, which questioned some of the talent surrounding Dwayne, which was probably not very smart. And I think probably pissed off Rivera to a certain degree. Remember Rivera, um, when when Allen, uh, Kyle Allen was going to get the start, you know, he, he made the very, I think, you know, sort of sarcastic comment. Well, Kyle Allen will have that same supporting cast when he comes in. Um, I think it's over for Dwayne. There's, n I, I don't envision any situation in which they will change their mind on Dwayne Haskins. Um, whether or not they can trade him by Tuesday, you know, Maskey had an interesting comment or um, st uh, story in the paper that talked about this trade deadline. First of all, we've seen the trade deadline in the NFL become a busier trade deadline. Not necessarily NBA or Major League Baseball-esque, but it's become busier in recent years. But he said the trades are going to happen today, tomorrow, and Saturday because there has to be a six-day clearing of COVID-19 
protocol before you can play in a game. So if somebody makes a trade for a player, they're going to want that player next week unless that team has a buy. So look for the trades to happen today, tomorrow, and Saturday so there's enough time for the players to you know become eligible for the next game. And we've seen some trades already, and we've see, seen some releases. Cowboys traded Everson Griffin. Uh, we saw the um, the trading of Dunlop from Cincinnati to uh, Seattle yesterday. So we're starting to see some of that happen right now. By the way, the Cowboys also released Don Terry Poe and a cornerback yesterday. They clearly are in the our season is over mode, that, which is interesting because they never give up on anything. I think they realize how bad they are and they're going to be sellers here at the trade deadline. But I don't know if my, 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 my issue with Haskins is this. I don't know that anybody's going to trade for him right now. I don't know. I can't find the team that desperately needs, you know, nobody needs a starter right now other than the Cowboys desperately. And there isn't like a real need for major backups at this point either. And I don't know that they're going to bring Dwayne Haskins in in the middle of the season. I think Haskins ends up being on this roster for the rest of the year and gets traded in the offseason. Although I think it would be in the team's best interest to try try to find somebody that'll take him for something right now. And, and by the way, that's based on the fact that I believe that they are not going to ever go down the Haskins path again. Whether or not I agree with it is 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 separate from if they do believe that, I think they should move him as quickly as possible. What do you think? Um, you know, I think the only way he's going to get traded – at this point, if, if there's a, a coach or a front office executive out there who who had him highly rated in that draft and uh, thought that, that you know, if, the, if, if Washington didn't draft him, they were going to draft him. There was no indication that that was out there. There was no indication that, that there was anyone else in the first round that was going to take Dwayne Haskins. So unless you have somebody out there, you know, like the coach say, okay, this is the guy I wanted two years ago. I have a chance to get him now. I want him. I don't think that's, that, that, that exists. So I think you're right. I, think, I don't think Dwayne's going anywhere until the end of the season and the off season. Uh, and it still could be a release situation. I had Kyle. Or, or, or trade for uh, some kind of conditional pick. I had Kyle Allen on the radio show yesterday. I asked him how Dwayne was handling it, and he said he's handling it. You know, it was sort of like, you know, he wasn't going overboard in terms of uh, of the way he was handling it. But he said it's a tough situation for him to be in, but he's been in meetings. He's been, you know, running the scout team, and he's been doing what he's been asked to do. But this is for someone like him who – you know, according to everybody in the know, lacks some maturity. This is a difficult time for him. You know, he said the league done messed up. He was tweeting out just a couple of months ago, picture after picture of him with a a transformed body and throwing, you know, uh, against no defense, long passes to Terry McLaurin and Antonio Brown, among others. You know, this was a big buildup for what was supposed to be his breakout year. And the coach never had the sense that he was the guy, gave him the shot, and now the guy that came in for him, and I'm sure their camp is saying, well, Dwayne would have done the same thing against the Giants and the Cowboys. Maybe, maybe not. Bottom line is the offense has run much better with Kyle Allen uh, at the helm than it did with uh, Dwayne Haskins. Um, 
I, uh, I, I, I think for him, and you know, I was encouraged and I was rooting for him. I think for him, he just has to get out of here. He should not be any longer in a place where the people that are coaching him don't believe in him. I mean, I guess he can stick it out the rest of the year, but and he doesn't really have a choice, but he needs to get to a place where somebody believes in him and somebody is going to take the time to say, I believe in you, let's see it, you know, and this is what you have to do. Now, for Dwayne, Theismann said it to me best a couple of weeks ago. He should be in that building as the first person in, the last person to leave, doing every single single thing they asked him, ask him to do. He should be trying to run that scout team like it's his team in a game. Um, well, you're talking about a guy. I mean, Joe Theismann offered to return punts. I know, just to, just I know. to get in the game. But that, He's, it, you know, he may wear number seven, but he doesn't have the Joe Theismann mentality. Mm-hmm. If he did. He wouldn't find himself in this situation in the first place. It was the work habits that came into question. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Um, so, I mean, so uh, look, is this among the many whiffs that the owner has had, Dan Snyder at quarterback? Is this his biggest <laughs> embarrassment and biggest whiff? Jeff George, Patrick Ramsey, Donovan McNabb, RG3. Who am I forgetting? And now him. And this. Yeah. Um, oh, boy, that's that's quite the list. I mean, if I'm going to rank them, I think the dumbest by far was Jeff George. Yes, but I think this is the biggest whiff. This is, this is a number one draft pick, uh, the 15th pick in the draft that your team, that your, your, most of your football uh, people did not want. And seven weeks – into him getting the starting job, he he's untouchable now. He he he's he, they want to get rid of him. I don't think anything has ever changed. I I don't think any of his other indulgences changed so quickly as this one did, and with such a dramatic fall <laughs> as this one was. I think this is the worst. Do you think any of this stuff registers with him? That's what I was. I was wondering. You would think, you know, if if there was a lesson to be learned, you would think it would be learned after this. But no, absolutely not. I'm sure. Look, he may not. He may think Dwayne should be the quarterback still, and you know, he may not like any of what's going on right now. We don't know. The Jeff George thing was really stupid. Because nobody wanted him. The head coach didn't want him. They had won the division the year before with Brad Johnson. And not only bringing Jeff George on, but forcing George, uh, Jeff George on North Turner was insane. You know, he was a 34-year-old owner at the time. And then, you know, Marty, Marty was the one that said, Dan, I'll keep him on the roster. I might even play him in a game. But that's it, pal. That's it. Uh, we're done. And maybe Rivera with Haskins, you know, the four games will look back on it and say it was somewhat Marty-esque. It was like, I'll give him a shot. I don't believe in him, but I'm going to give him a shot in this weird year. We're not going to win the Super Bowl anyway, uh, just to prove it to you. But I'm cutting my, I'm cutting bait as soon as I can. Um, I mean, look, I mean, what do you want to th- – I mean, Hainsworth – you know, all, all of them. No, just, I'm, I'm you, talking about quarterbacks. I know, but just put them all on the list. I mean, it, <laughs> it's it's just 
It's 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 what happens when somebody the, that doesn't know anything about football owns a team and decides that he wants to make a lot of the big decisions. But the quarterback Loser. decisions are the ones that bury you the farthest. I would rank Haskins the worst mistake because his football people told him no. His football yeah. people said, we like him, but not here, Dan, not here. Uh, now, they were able to talk him out of trading up for Haskins, so that is sort of a win in hindsight. Um, but his football people told him not at 15. They said if he's there late first, maybe we trade back in, or second, definitely not at 15 overall. And they, they weren't big fans. Um, right. Jeff Jeff George was a massive mistake. McNabb was dumb. He got fleeced by Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Um, Patrick uh, everyone Ramsey. Was on, everyone was on the RG3 bandwagon. Let's, let's the, be yeah, real. The, the RG3 thing was different because there, yes, was, there wasn't was anybody different. in the league that wouldn't have taken RG3 second. Right. And his own head coach, Mike Shanahan, who warned him, uh, warned both he and Bruce about a few things related to RG3, at least was on board with the selection. Now, if yes. they had been hit with that salary cap penalty, it would have been a different story. It, they wouldn't have taken him, or Mike would have that, well, advocated have not taking the, him. They yeah. would not have made the trade. They wouldn't have made the trade to get up there. Exactly. Right. And somebody they would have else lost would have. all their draft yeah. picks. Uh, uh, but remember, but without, so without, that selection, is... without that selection, we would never have had. Your greatest moment. Your greatest <laughs> moment, your greatest prediction is shock and awe. That's your greatest one. It's okay. the only one I can well, think of, actually. I don't know. I think the La Famina one was, was, <laughs> much, better, was much better. Uh, yeah, that but, was a good one. Rent, don't buy, Brian. Wait a minute. Yeah. He just got to town. Everybody loves him. Nope. Rent, <laughs> Brian. It's not going to be the over-under is a year. Yeah, I think the over-under on the other guy they have right now is maybe just a little bit more than a year. Um, and but oh, that surprise that that would surprise me. But, I just uh, think he's. I just think he is going to realize that he is better than all of this. Well, he certainly seems to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the quarterback decisions are the ones that bury you. I mean, they are now. I mean, they, they two years ago, almost two years ago, they thought they were drafting their quarterback of the future. Mm -hmm. Now here we are. And the quarterback of the future, it's still not on the roster. Maybe and not. you don't know if you're going to be able to get him. Maybe not. You weren't. And that sets you back. We haven't talked about this, but the last thing on the podcast yesterday, I just I said to Cooley, do you think they believe uh, that Kyle Allen is a possibility? And Because I do. I think that Scott and Ron – they traded a fifth-rounder for Kyle Allen because they thought they'd need him this year. But I think they also traded a fifth-rounder for, for Kyle Allen because they thought there was a chance that Kyle Allen could develop into something. So I would not discount the possibility that Kyle Allen is your starting quarterback next year. My personal belief is that they're going to be in the market for a franchise quarterback when this season is over again. But there are nine games left. Already the early line on next week is Washington as a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants. I'm telling you, Tommy, there's going to be some respect for Washington the next, next few weeks. You see it from the boys in the desert because they recognize they're pretty good defensively and now they are competent on offense and the teams they're playing aren't that great. Um, and if Kyle Allen were to go through the rest of this season, let's just say five and four, and they finish seven and nine, and they win the division, and he's a big contributing factor. I think he could be the starting quarterback here next year. I'm not saying I'm oh, in favor that, of it. That doesn't mean he's the quarterback of the future. 
well, uh, if he's the starting quarterback next year and they don't draft somebody or sign somebody in free agency, well, f- next year well, is the, second, the future. This, the second part of that part is the one I'm talking about. They are going to draft somebody. Okay, we'll see. Or so uh, because the quarterback is look. I mean, most. I mean, that's why people talk about changing the culture and the importance of uh, you know winning the division at least offensively. Most of the guys on this offense are, aren't going to be around if and when this team ever becomes good. Yeah, they're going to add – they certainly need to add some weapons. I like their backs, and I like McLaurin right now. Um, that's I like for sure. one back, and I like McLaurin. You know, I had a conversation uh, – Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Ask me. What What does your boy Cooley think of Logan Thomas? Uh, he thought he played well the other day. Um, okay, but that's, well, he... that's the first game that he's evaluated him well. I, I think he likes some things and doesn't like other things about him. I, he I thinks mean, they he... need he thinks they need a tight end. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I mean, my well, actually, you need two tight ends in the NFL yeah. at least, uh, and they don't have two, obviously. But uh, I mean, if I would, if I I would, uh, you know, just from afar, I would include Logan Thomas along with uh, the running back and McLaurin uh, as Gibson and McLaurin as the three players I would identify moving forward who are keepers. And I just may be selling over Logan, overselling Logan Thomas. Yeah. I, um, I think they have four a players on their roster, which is three more than they've had at any given time over the last 10 years. Deron Payne, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Terry McLaurin are all potential stars at their positions um, in the NFL. And they haven't had anything like that in a long, long time. They had Trent Williams for many years as really the the one player you could look at and say, that guy is a top five, top ten player at his position. You couldn't say that about anybody else on the team other than the punter, you know, Tressway. Now you can look at Deron Payne and Chase Young in particular, and I would add Sweat and and potentially McLaurin, and you can say these are future potential top 10 players at their position. I'm not so sure that that Payne and Young already aren't there. That's how good they are. Um, And they are – this is what gives me hope, and this is why, you know – when we got into the conversation the other day, and I've continued to think about it, and I've been waiting to see what the future number on next week would be, and it just came out a, a little while ago, Washington Post. I guess that they would be a three-point favorite over the Giants who just beat them. Uh, there's really no, you're not getting a whole hell of a lot for home field this year. But I, I thought that there was going to be some recognition and some respect for what they're doing and what they've done the last two weeks, it, even, even considering the, the weak opponents. Because I think people understand if you can play defense the way they're they, they're capable of, of playing defense, and you've got a quarterback that is functional, they're going to be in some of these games. They're going to be a, they're going to be a, a more difficult out than than most of the people that are listening to this podcast right now think they are. I, I let me do, I'm going to give you one other Marty reference. I was actually thinking about this. Um, before the show started, because when I saw the point spread for next week, I remember how I felt when Marty's team started 0-5 in 2001, and they turned it around with a game against the Carolina Panthers. They were down 14-0. LeVar Arrington had a pick six in the fourth quarter that sparked the rest of the season. But you could already see that they were starting to come together a little bit defensively 
on that Marty team back in 2001. And I remember after they beat Carolina, came from behind to beat Carolina in overtime, I was like, they're going to be, and as a gambler, they're going to be a really good buy right now. They are going to be a, a, a good team to play. They're going to be getting some points. You'll see the respect from Vegas. And they went on a five-game win streak. Remember that, Tommy? They went from 0-5 oh, yeah. to 5-5. Five and five, And they beat some decent teams, including Denver on the road in, in a sleet storm. They went to Philadelphia and won 13-3. I'll never forget that game. Kajana Carter, I think it was, had a really good game for them uh, in that particular game. Um, and then, you know, they ended up going 8-8, eight and eight, winning eight of their final 11 with Tony Banks and Kent Graham at quarterback. I, I, Rivera's the same kind of coach, not as tough uh, and not as, dict, you know, authoritarian as Marty was. But he's, he's, there's a toughness to his defense, same with Del Rio. I could see this team really being competitive the rest of the way. Uh, and, and in this division, it could be it could mean enough, you know, to win six or seven games and win the division. It's not okay, gonna Okay, I'm glad you're all happy and elated about I didn't that. say happy and elated. Oh it sure it's sounds obser- like it's observational. Okay. Uh observe this. Do they trade <laughs> Ryan Kerrigan? Uh no, not based on what the way Rivera's been talking about him. Unless should they? Unless, should they? Yes, absolutely. If they can get something for him, and he's got four and a half sacks in like you know, uh, uh, like thirty percent of the team's defensive snaps. So I know you might be able to fool somebody into thinking that he's got, still got a lot left. It, but I know that they love Ryan Kerrigan personally, and who hasn't? Every coach right. has, of course, of course. But uh, I mean, they should trade him. I think they should and, trade him. And uh, now. You can't trade Landon Collins, can you? No, you can't. You can't. He actually played a really good game uh, up until the time he got hurt. All right, let's take a break for a word from one of our sponsors. And then, since Tommy won't be on until again next week, we'll do our bi-week predictions on what the rest of the season will be, record-wise. This is the opportunity. It's usually the halfway mark, but we might as well do it during the bye week. We'll get to that right after this word from a sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want your updated Washington football team season record prediction here um, as we approach the end of the bye week. But before that, what do you think of this team, honestly, right now? I just told you what I think of the team. I actually think it's a good defensive team that will get better, and I'm very optimistic about the defense in the future. By the way, all this comes with your normal Surgeon General's warning, okay? So you don't have to mention that again. Please don't subject us to that again. 
um, because we know what it is. We we read it on the carton every single time before deep diving into this discussion and discussion about the team. I think they're good on defense, getting better on defense, and I think Kyle Allen gives them a chance to be functional on offense. It would not surprise me if they're super competitive the rest of the way and if they are legitimately contending for this division because I think Dallas is done and I think late Monday night the Giants will be done. Um, what do you think? What's your gut feel right now on the team before you get to your final season uh, record prediction? Kyle Allen giveth and Kyle Allen taketh away. That sounds like a column. Uh, I think Alex Smith will be back on the field as a starter before the end of the year. I think this team will lose their next three games and will only win one more game the rest of the season. Three and 13? Yes. Wow. Um, we really have uh, a different feel for the team right now. And, I, you know, I will put out that if they start suffering serious injuries at key spots, it could obviously completely cave. Um, I'm talking about the turnover machine. Yeah, I know. I know what you are. The, the, the guy that can giveth and the guy that can taketh away. Um, right. Didn't we see all we needed to see from Alex Smith in the second half of the Rams? Game? I agree. I didn't say I want on the I mean. I just think. That this coaching staff seems to like him. I mean, whatever, you know, they have a defensive sack rate, you know, statistic or pressure rate statistic. With quarterbacks, they also have a sack rate, you know, drop back and how many times you, there's nobody, you know, and I, he probably doesn't even qualify. There's nobody that's that's got a higher sack rate than Alex Smith does from that one half. It was one of the worst halves of offensive football and quarterbacking football I've ever watched. I think they put him out there and they saw what they needed to see. I Now, I say that, and yet he's the backup and was the backup against the Giants and the Cowboys, and Kyle Allen could have gotten hurt, and he would have been right back in there. They didn't have Steven Montez up. But I, I, him starting a game only happens if they have a meaningless game in the season finale, uh, barring injury to Kyle Allen, um, a, a meaningless game in the season finale, and they're like, yeah, let's give Alex this, the, the final, the final uh, start of his career because he's not back next year. You're not you're not that. bringing him back one, next year. One Rex Grossman, three interception, half, and you'll see Alex Smith. Oh man, that's too bad that we don't have John Beck backing him up. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I see a bad game or two certainly from Kyle Allen. I definitely think he's got that in him. I agree with you. I don't know if that'll be enough to prompt a move to Alex Smith. And, you know, as far as the season going 3-13, and 13, I actually would bet big money um, that they win more than three games if you wanted to. You're not, a, you're not a better. But that is, right now, to me, not in play anymore. I, I've watched a team the last two weeks, and I've watched a defensive team all year that is at least a four-win team and maybe a six-win team. I think they're a team that will give away victories very easily. And the only reason they, they probably didn't do it against Dallas is it's hard to give away a victory to a team that doesn't want it. Dallas was terrible. Uh, they, they are terrible. And, they, and, they, I mean, and Washington the gets to play them again. To a team that says, nope, I don't want it. CeCe Lamb played like he had money on, 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 on Washington. Uh, I've, it, I've rarely seen a receiver uh, check out like he did. 
This is going to be a really bad season for the Cowboys. It oh, was evident once Dak, they, once they lost Dak, that Monday night game and then Sunday, they are not interested. Um, and there's going to be a lot of issues with McCarthy. Um, Jerry's either going to stick with McCarthy or they're going to be cleaning house in a lot of different ways. And the Giants, look, the Giants I actually think have a decent defense, and I'm a bit of a Daniel Jones believer. Um, but they're going to be one and seven after Monday night. So, you, you know, they're not, and they still have, you know, the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Ravens and the Browns. So it's not yeah, like but they've got Washington. Yeah, they have Washington and they have Dallas, but they also have Seattle, the Cardinals, the Browns and the Ravens. Um, Who was their so, one win against? Uh, their one win was against, I think, the Washington football team. <laughs> okay. I just wondered. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, look, it, it would be injuries or Ron Rivera's clock management that would probably be the difference between, I think, five and maybe a sixth win. Maybe I, I, Tommy, I swear to God, I'm getting this sense that this season is going to become interesting for them. They're not a good team, but everything about the division they're in and the defense they have, and I just see them playing for Ron a little bit. They haven't quit on him. I don't know. I mean, I I see a Marty kind of turnaround. Marty got it back to eight and eight. I don't see eight and eight. I mean, eight and eight would be you know winning six of their final nine. I don't see him going six and three. Um, but if you told me right now you fast forwarded and you saw the future and they finish seven and nine, I would totally believe it. Totally believe it. That would require, as we know, five more wins for them to go five and four. Beating the Giants, beating the Bengals, beating the Cowboys, beating the Panthers, and beating the Eagles. There you go. And I, I didn't even I, – I left out the Bengals there. Did I leave out the Bengals? Giants to win five. Giants, Cowboys, Panthers, Eagles. Yeah, uh, they got to beat the Bengals too for five more wins to get to seven and nine, which would be good enough to win the division. Anyway, okay, uh, I wanted to – mention one other quick note before we get to the NFL power rankings. The Gavit games, which is college basketball's Big Ten versus Big East, was canceled. And I learned that if it had gone forward, Maryland was going to play Georgetown this year. Now, scheduling's been really hard with college basketball. I mean, the, the season is supposed to start in a month, and teams don't even have their schedules done yet. So it is really... They are flying by the seat of their pants in college basketball right now. But I, th- I've, I learned from a couple of, of different uh, sources that if the Big Ten Big East Gavit game thing had gone on, that Maryland and Georgetown more likely than not would have played this year. And I think that it, it's canceled for this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if Maryland and Georgetown renew something next year. I think that'd be great. Uh, I think you have uh, an administration uh, in, in both schools that would that's much more open to that possibility than before. Yes. All right, NFL Power Rankings right after one more word from one of our sponsors. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
So I'm just going to tell you real quickly. I think it's very interesting right now in the NFL. And we've talked about this a couple of weeks running. And whether it was with you or Cooley, I can't remember. And it's not important at this at this juncture. There are so many good records and there are so many bad records. You typically see more bunched up in the middle teams. You know, through six or seven weeks, more more three and three teams, more four and three, three and four teams. You've got so many teams with five or more wins. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee, Kansas City, Green Bay, Chicago, Tampa, Seattle, Arizona, LA all have five or more wins. You've got real you've got really good teams like the Saints and the 49ers, the defending NFC champions with four wins. And then you've got a lot of bad teams. I mean, zero, you know, zero or one win teams, the Jets, the Bengals, the Texans, the Jags, the Giants, the Vikings, the the Falcons, the it's 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 harder to pick pick the best five teams in the league because you're essentially picking from nearly 40% of the league in terms of records. But I think it's easy. Kansas City, Pittsburgh are my top two teams. You can put them in either order. But I actually think they are separate from the rest. I think we're going to find that out with Pittsburgh and Baltimore this Sunday too. Really? Yeah. Pittsburgh's defense, Tommy, is the best defense in the NFL. And they have been on offense. He threw three picks, but most of them weren't his fault on Sunday. Two of them were, were, were deflections. I like Kansas City and Pittsburgh above all else. All else, I'll put Baltimore at three. The Ravens are, are my number three team, and I think they're very dangerous. But I don't think they're Pittsburgh or Kansas City. And then I think the team that I'm really interested to see what happens with Antonio Brown in in the mix. Tampa Bay's number four. I think they're the best team in the NFC, and I think they might be the best team in the NFC by the time we get to this conversation a month from now by a lot. And then I've got Tennessee at five. I didn't even include Seattle in my top five. Seattle is flawed defensively, majorly flawed defensively, even though I do love Russell Wilson right now. Love him. Go ahead. I know you've prepared for this segment. Okay. Well, uh, I like uh, the Chiefs instead of the Steelers at one, two. I have the Chiefs at one. I said you can put them in any order, order, but I've got Casey one, Pittsburgh two. I've got the Chiefs at one, the Steelers two. Uh, I've got the Ravens three. I've got the uh, Titans four. I've got Tampa Bay at five. So you left out Seattle as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I watched them in that in that uh, Sunday night game uh, against Arizona. Who's playing? Who's who's playing well? I mean, the Cardinals are a five win team, aren't they? Uh, the Cardinals are a, fi- a five win yeah. team right now. Yeah, yeah that so, division is five and one, five and two, five and two, four and three. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So they're 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 a good team, but uh, Seattle is flawed. You're right, defensively. They they've got issues defensively. They, you know, they just added Dunlop in the trade from Cincinnati. They needed pass rushing help. Um, Russell Wilson's a difference maker, and I can see him winning a playoff game or two. I cannot see them beating Tampa Bay in an NFC championship game. I do not see that. I also think that they're in trouble if the 49ers keep uh, – they've been so injured, the 49ers. But if the 49ers get into the playoffs, I think the 49ers are really dangerous as well. God, the 49ers and the Rams and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur in the NFC. I mean, such incredible, um, well-coached teams, all of them are. A couple of teams like, – just... Like Washington football by proxy. Yeah. 
A um, couple teams just to keep you know a an eye on. I think, and I know I've said this before. I think Detroit's decent. I think Detroit's going to be a problem for some people. They traded for well, Everson Griffin. You're, you're, Detroit's one of the teams on your schedule, buddy. I know. You're six and ten teams. Yeah, I know. Your six and ten schedule. I think. I think Detroit's a better team than their record indicates. They lost an opener to the Bears, where they had a three-score lead in the in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, they lost to the Saints and the Packers. Those are their other two losses. They have the Colts, Vikings, Washington coming up. They still play Houston, who I actually think is a dangerous team. Um, But I like Detroit as a team. I I like Matt Stafford. I've always liked Matt Stafford. And they've got, you know, Galladay and they've got Marvin Jones. I saw the rumor about Marvin Jones to Washington yesterday or Washington being one of the teams that might be uh, in the market for Marvin Jones if the Lions were to put him up. I don't think they're going to put anybody up. They just traded for Everson Griffin. I think they're going to be buyers. I think the Lions look at their team as a team capable of at least battling for a wild card um, in the NFC. And then uh, in terms of the bad teams, Houston's a good bad team. Um, They are – just very capable. Now they if they end up being massive sellers, you know, JJ Watt, Will Fuller, etc. before the trade deadline, that that'll change a little bit. But Deshaun Watson's having a really good season. He is a really good quarterback. A really good quarterback. Watson is you know, having, um, you know, completing 70% of his passes. I looked at this the other night. I think he's 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, something like that. He's having a massive season on a team that's lost a lot of tight games, not last week. Um, but, uh, you know, their record is one and six, and yet, you know, they've had, I think, three or four one score games um, that they've lost, including that game last week before Green Bay to Tennessee that they lost in overtime. So th- those would be two teams I would say I think are dangerous and and you're going to get some value. And I probably should have said it about Washington because I think you're going to get some value with them here too, and I think they're going to play competitively. Well, you must if, if you think that they're going to beat the Lions. I didn't say they were going to beat the Lions. Well, Actually. that's one of the teams on your winnable schedule. No, I, sa- I said if they were to finish 7-9, and nine, if they were to go 5-4 and four the rest of the way, it would be the Giants, the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Eagles. That would be five wins. We could get them to 7-9. and nine. They'd, they'd own a sweep over the Eagles. Now, it doesn't matter if the Eagles have a tie because there won't be a tiebreaker. People say that to me all the time. Well, I mean, if they beat the Eagles again, they might win the tiebreaker. More likely than not, there won't be a tiebreaker because Washington won't have a tie. So they're either going to have a better record or a worse record than Philadelphia. Can you guys figure that out? Hopefully you can. I know most of you can. Um, now, if Washington has a tie, then we can get into tiebreaker talk with the Eagles. It's a little bit premature for that. Do you have anything else to add to this program today? I've got nothing else for you, boss. Yeah. Boss. All right. Enjoy the day. Maybe get out and take a walk in the rain and see how that goes for you. I don't walk in the rain. Well, then go walk towards a covered bridge and just you know stay underneath. Listen, it. I, I we were out yesterday enjoying the uh, the day in Frederick County. Yeah, you, you ever drive up and down Route 15? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. And you you see that uh, shrine? Well, Emmett uh, in, in Emmitsburg. In Emmitsburg, oh, of course, yeah. at, at the Mount. Yeah. Have you ever stopped there? Of course, I've I've I mean I had friends of mine that went to Mount St. Mary's. No, I don't mean Mount St. Mary's. Which I shrine mean, are you talking the, about? The, the shrine, the religious shrine, the big giant statue, the gold statue that stands up there in the mountain. 
I don't know what you're talking about. Unless you're talking about the big thing in in, in Emmitsburg. Yes, it's in Emmitsburg, but it's not at the college. It's behind the college. Yeah, but it's right next to the college. Yeah. Yeah. But you've never stopped at the shrine. No, I haven't stopped at the shrine. No, but I I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, that, that shrine up there. Yeah. Well, we, we went there yesterday. What's the shrine called? Okay, I'm looking it up right now because uh, I'm not big on the religious shrines <laughs> here and there. But it's pretty. it was pretty remarkable to see up close. Mm-hmm. Plus, they've got some nice gardens and, and stuff like that and uh, a lot of nice foliage. Is that where you that went? You can walk around. So that's where we were yesterday awesome. enjoying it. And it's a national shrine grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes. There we go. Okay. That's what it's called. All right. And uh, it is on the campus of Mount St. Yeah, Mary's. Yeah, I knew it was on the campus. Right. Or right uh, uh, well, that's where we went yesterday uh, because they've got some nice gardens. And uh, we went for a walk around there yesterday. So I'm still getting out all over Frederick I know County, you baby. I know you are. And you, you hey. got what? Did, 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 did you? Did, did anybody buy you lunch in Emmitsburg? No, okay. no, nobody bought me lunch uh, in, in Emmitsburg. But we did have a nice lunch out at a place called the Ott Cafe, I think it was, or the Ott Bar. Okay. Uh, in Emmitsburg, first time I've ever been actually through Emmitsburg. Well, you've uh, driven up a, and down fifteen before, right? Yeah, but I mean, in the town, yeah. the Main Street, right? Uh, and there's not much going on there. Uh, but I wanted to ask you one last thing. Before we go, when I tweeted out your your podcast on Tuesday, did you see the picture I tweeted with it? I don't think I did. Well, you would have to follow my Twitter account. I do. In order I, for that I, I, to I do follow your Twitter account. I just don't spend a lot of time sitting there on Twitter. I'm I'm well, on your I'm on your Twitter account now. What is this picture? What's this uh, video of Billy Kilmer? <laughs> Well, that's I retweeted this. I follow this old football uh, Twitter account, and they retweet a lot of old football videos. Oh, I just. By the way, uh-huh. rest in peace, Jimmy Orr. Uh, oh, really? 13, 13 years in the NFL. Colts, right? With the Colts, yes. Yeah. Uh, part one of the corners of the end zone at Memorial Stadium was always called Orrsville. Mm-hmm. He averaged nineteen point eight yards a catch in his career. Wow, that's that's yeah. big time. That's like eighth all time. So he he was a, uh, a forgotten great. But if you keep going past that to Tuesday's uh, tweets, and you'll see I tweeted out, like I always do, you know, something to promote the podcast. Right. And there's a picture accompanying it. Have you gotten to it yet? Um, Tuesday would have been the 27th. Right. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Is this real? That is a portrait of me. Yeah. That was painted by my, my late mother-in-law, Conchita Garen, who was a great artist. Wow. That's and, impressive. And uh, really you know, looks, not, it really looks like you, a young I, you. I didn't ask for it. She just did it on her own. Wow. Okay. So and um, that's what hang, hangs in my office. Road, uh, rose-colored glasses, perspective pills in the Washington football team. <laughs> that was Tuesday's podcast. Oh yeah, that's a nice that's a nice portrait of you. Yeah, that's actually really well done. Thank you. Um, she, quite. I mean, that looks like you. That looks like you know that that looks like you as you probably haven't changed that much facially 
because you've always had a beard and a mustache. Um, that that looks like it could have been you from ten years ago. Probably a little bit longer than that because my hair's darker. Yeah, your hair is dark. I mean, I turned gray pretty early. Yeah. So, and I don't I don't care what it is, what color it is, as long as it's there. So, uh, I like this site, uh, old time football that you just, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I follow, I follow that all the time. They post some great videos. The game that you, the game that you tweeted out video of, of Chris Hamburger. The game you tweeted out was a name is pass. The game you tweeted out was a game against the jets during Washington's super bowl season, Tommy, when they went to the super bowl with George Allen in 72. And I'll give you a quick factoid about the game that you tweeted out because you won't know this. That game was in Shea Stadium late in the season, and it should have been televised, but it was not televised. The reason it wasn't televised is they lost total transmission with with uh, uh, with Shea Stadium. CB, I, I think it was probably CBS that the game was on, and um, I remember as a young kid. Having being so excited about the 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 Redskins playing Joe Namath, yes. who who was my father's favorite player, okay, so so excited about them playing Joe Namath and the game, and, and, and actually Rigo would have been playing for the Jets. It would have been played for the Jets in that game, and yes. and Washington won the game, but we had to listen to the game on radio because it they, they couldn't get the transmission from Shea Stadium right, so. The, the we never saw the game here in Washington or anybody uh, they, they the live broadcast the stuff you're tweeting out is the NFL film stuff right um and they they, they show uh Chris Hamburger interception yeah uh, he had a he had a, I in, think in that game did he have an interception he return had, for had, a touchdown yeah for yeah. a touchdown yes he did uh Namath threw three interceptions that day he threw a lot of interceptions all the time yeah he did yeah, um, he did but yeah, I I'll, I I remember that is one of the games from that season, which was George Allen's second season. They went to the Super Bowl that year, eleven and three. Larry Brown was the league MVP, um, and it was Billy Kilmer because Sonny had gotten hurt early in the season. And there are a few games from that season I really remember, and this is one of them because of the excitement my my father had in particular to see the Skins against Namath because they probably hadn't played Namath. You know, you didn't play AFC or AFL teams, you know, that often. So, right. um, they and they went to Shea and blew him out, but we never got to see the game because they had. I I would bet you that probably happened a lot. You know, um, in in the in the days of of early technology. Ah, you know what? The game was supposed to be on TV today, but we lost uh, transmission. We lost uh, we lost touch with Shea Stadium. We can't figure it out. Somebody came by and bumped a truck, and we lo- were knocked off the air, and that's it. I mean, it, but the other the other games I remember from that year: the opener against Minnesota on Monday night. They won. The Washington opened up on Monday night football against the Vikings and won at Metropolitan Stadium. I remember very much. The game against the uh, against the Cowboys at the end of the year that they didn't have to win to win the division and they got blown out. They were eleven and one, and then they lost their final two games. And George Allen sat a lot of the starters. And then, of course, I remember the playoff games against Green Bay and Dallas. Anyway, right. nobody cares about this. Um, right. By the way, the but- Giants had a player test positive for COVID nineteen. The Chargers have had a player test positive for COVID-19. In this situation, the player and all close contacts were told to stay home and isolate. 
Uh, we're getting this every week in the NFL. The facilities uh, are, are both still open. Yeah, we're getting this every week in the NFL. We're getting positive tests. And for the most part, we're playing almost all of the games. There have been a couple of postponements, a couple of, you know, dates moved. Um, but so far, you know, the, you know, in the NFL, uh, Mark Murphy, um, you know, made this announcement or disclosed this information on some sort of virtual Zoom fan interaction event where he said that the NFL could play the Super Bowl. They, they, they can play it as late as March 7th in Tampa. So they have basically a whole extra month to fool around with to get right. this season done if they need it. They're, Tommy, they're finishing this season. Certainly looks that way. Uh, we're only halfway through, though. Okay, um, three and thirteen is Tommy's prediction, and probably will be the title of today's podcast. <laughs> Enjoy the day. I'm back with Cooley tomorrow. We'll do a Football Friday preview of the games. I'll get Cooley's second half prediction or his season prediction record. I'll give you mine officially tomorrow. Um, on what I think will happen with the skins the rest of the way. Have a great day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.